Well, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. We do appreciate each one who has called and contacted us one way or the other and uh, said that you care. And that meant a lot to us. My wife is still under the weather, but uh, I never have been sick, but I got quarantined. That's just about as bad as being sick, I guess. But uh, nevertheless, I'm doing, I'm doing good, and I'm glad to be back. I appreciate Brother Masters and Brother Aaron and uh, filling the pulpit for me while I was out, which we had already scheduled that anyhow. And so it worked out, uh, worked out well. I was anxious uh, to be able to get back in the pulpit. That's what preachers, that's how preachers feel. And um, I heard a preacher say one time, preachers are jealous of their pulpit. Uh, you ever heard that before? Yeah, and we, I, I never really realized that, but I guess that I, I am guilty of doing that. And I guess that's a really a good thing. Well, today I want us to look in Psalm 34. Psalm 34, we're going to look. You have to use your Bibles today. And um, if you don't, oh, you do have it up there. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm impressed. Psalm 34, beginning with verse 4, the psalmist David said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encampeth about them that fear him and delivereth him O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You know, children many times do not like certain foods because they have never tasted those foods. Maybe you can say I'm guilty. I have to say that myself. One of the things that I did not like as a child was applesauce. <clears throat> I did not like applesauce because back in the late 50s was when a lot of, of uh, uh, space shows started uh, coming uh, on board. And uh, they were always invading Martians and things like that. And this one particular movie that I saw at the very end of the movie, there were three of these Martians who were their foes. And uh, at the very end, their heads fell off. And all this stuff gushed out of their neck. And it looked just like applesauce. And so <laughs> I, I, would not, uh, I would not partake of applesauce. If it was on the school lunch, I passed it up. Anybody, somebody else could have it, but I would not eat it. And uh, went into the uh, Air Force. And uh, usually you have to eat what they put on your plate. If you're in the military, you know what I'm talking about. And so I had to do some bargaining to get rid of my applesauce. And then I got married. And one day I came home from work. And I sat down at the table to eat supper. And my wife put applesauce in front of me. And I said... <laughs> I said, I'm not going to eat that. Why not? I said, don't you know what that is? She said, well, it's applesauce. And I said, no, it's the stuff that comes out of Martians' necks. And she said, well, just take one bite. And uh, 
As I ate that one bite, I found out that I like applesauce. Been eating it ever since. And uh, I remember I, I preached this sermon at youth camp one year, about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And uh, after I gave this illustration, we had applesauce for supper that night. And all of the kids came and gave me their applesauce. Got a picture of it. Yeah, I got a whole stack of bowls that I ate all of their applesauce. I ate the whole thing. Then there was another occasion in my infancy, uh, not my infancy, but in my childhood, and that was M&M's. And I thought that the only M&M's that would taste good would be the chocolate ones, chocolate-covered M&M's. Because I thought a, a, a red one would taste like a cherry, a yellow one would taste like a lemon, and a, li a green one would taste like a, a lime. And so somebody had given me a whole bag of M&M's. And I remember walking around the block, because I wasn't going to stay around and share them with anybody. But I would, I would start eating these M&M's, and when I would come to a yellow one, I would throw it out. i come to a green one, I'd throw it out. Come to a chocolate one, come to a red one, throw it out. And I got to doing that, and then by mistake, I popped in one of those colored M&M's. And I discovered that they tasted just like the chocolate ones. No, I didn't go back and pick up them, the rest of the M&Ms. But I learned a great lesson. And it often reminds me of this uh, verse of Scripture. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, a lot of times people have preconceived ideas. I heard about a man that went into a um, sandwich shop and they had a sign and said, if we cannot fulfill your order for your sandwich, whatever kind you order, we'll give you $20. So the man went in there and he said, I'll show them. The waiter came up to him and said, what would you like to have? He said, I'd like to have an elephant ear sandwich. Man wrote it down, he turned, he went back into the kitchen. A few minutes later, he came out. He said, here's your $20, sir. He said, we cannot fulfill your order. We're sorry. And the man said, well, I didn't think you'd have any elephant ears back there. He said, oh, yes, sir. He said, we had plenty of elephant ears. We just ran out of the big buns. <laughs> Preconceived ideas. A lot of times people refuse the things of God because of a preconceived idea that it's no good. But we know thousands of people have tried the things of God and found out that they are very good. And so if we look at this psalm, we find several things. First of all, we see David's protection. David was, he was hyped. He was pumped. Because we see here that he had been saved from his fears in verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. 
wonderful thing to overcome fear. I remember years ago pastoring in Hickory Ridge, Arkansas, a little country church, and had one of my ladies come to the house and visit with Sandra and I, and she was very disturbed because she had a problem with fear. And I had a hard time convincing her that God could help her overcome her fears. A lot of the fears that we have are manufactured fears, things that we're afraid of that's going to happen that never really happen. And so today it's easy to, to uh, be fearful. Sometimes we have past things in our past that causes that fear. But David overcame this fear and he rejoiced because he sought the Lord and asked God to give him this, what he needed to overcome that fear. And then from his, his foes, he, he, uh, this uh, psalm here was uh, during the time in the presence of, of Abimelech, if you remember that, uh, that Bible story. And so he, he not only was delivered from his fears, but also his foes. And today they can, he says, they looked to me and then they were lightened. <laughs> they really, they were frightened and their faces were not ashamed. And he said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. For all those that wanted David's life, all of those that wanted to make David miserable. It seemed like everywhere he went, there was trouble. You ever known people like that? I know a young man right now, I've known him since he was a boy, and he uh, has had a heart attack. And his sister says, why, Lord, why? Because every time, it seems like something's always going wrong with his life. He's always finding trouble. It finds him. And I've often said, you don't have to look for trouble. Trouble will find you. But we find David's protection. Then we see his protector in verse 7. Verse 7, we find that the angel of the Lord was his protector. He said, the angel of the Lord encampeth about them that fear him and delivereth them. I don't know about you, but I, I believe in angels and guardian angels. Angels that protect us. I got rear-ended the other day. <clears throat> I was going to therapy, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I needed more therapy after I got there. I've, I've had this problem with my... My, my rotator cuff, but uh, it could have been a whole lot worse. I could have rear-ended her, and she was driving a nice big Cadillac. I would not have wanted to take care of that bill, but, uh, and she was very apologetic. The last person that ran, to, ran into me up here on college just backed up and left. But she was very nice and very apologetic. And I didn't really realize it till after I'd gone over, but I went over to the grocery store, and she was the one that checked my groceries out. But we had masks on, and she didn't recognize me. And if it hadn't been for her <clears throat> top knot on top of her head, I probably wouldn't have recognized her. But, but David was protected, and his protector was the angel of the Lord. Sometimes driving around here, we put our angels on uh, overtime, don't we? <laughs> And then we see David's proclamation in verse 8. We find here that he was ecstatic when he said, Oh, taste and see. 
You need to try him. You'll see that he is good. If you have doubts, they can be erased. If you would just try him, give him a try. And I tell people this when I witness to them. Give him a try. Give him a shot. Thousands of people have found that he is good. So praise God. David's proclamation. Today we understand that we do not walk where David walked. But we have our own trials and tribulations and challenges before us. And God invites us to trust in him. It says, blessed is he, in verse 8, blessed is he is the man that trusteth in him. We live a life of faith. I remember years ago, our, our pastor's wife was on the airplane and her and her husband were not able to sit together, but she was sitting next to a young man and they were fixing to take off and he said, aren't you scared? She said, no, I live by faith and my faith is in the Lord. There's no greater one to place your faith and trust in than in the Lord. And so we see David's proclamation. Today, we can taste also. He has made some things available, but a lot of people, because of the preconceived ideas, think that, hey, it's no good. For instance, today, uh, we can trust or we can uh, taste a makeover from within. God is in the life-changing business, not from without, but from within. It's called the new birth. And he'll give us a new name. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth not, us not. Because it knew him not. What love that God would honor us with the privilege of being one of his children. You say, isn't everyone a child of God? No. <clears throat> Only those who believe. Only those who receive. Only those who are born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus talked to Nicodemus about when he said, you must be born again. You say, well, what is the new, new birth? Well, it's that thing that God does to us by his spirit that quickens us, makes us alive on the inside. I, I kind of refer to it like a dead battery. You ever had a dead battery and you get the jumper cables, cables and you hook them up to a live battery and to a dead battery and, and the dead battery comes alive? And that's what God does to us. He infuses his life into us. And boom, we're born again. And we have a new name. And not only do we have a new name, but he changes us to the point we have a new nature. A new nature. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, we find that he said that Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Literally, that word creature means creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
taste and see. You know, I was a doubter. When I was saved, it wasn't because the Lord had not knocked on my door. He knocked on my door, and I said, nah. He knocked again. I said, nah. Knocked on the door, and I said, not for me. Knocked on the door. I said, hey, <laughs> I got too much living to do. I'll wait till I get old and decrepit. But he didn't give up. He knocked on my door. And I got interested. Somebody had sent me a gospel track, and for a week I read that gospel track. And I had rejected his knock time and time again. But I'm here to tell you today, the first time I knocked on his door, he answered. And he changed me from the inside out. And I hadn't got over it yet. Things that I didn't like, I now love. Going and sitting on a hard pew and listening to a sermon, that was not in my top ten list. But now, I love to do it and I miss it when I can't. I even like it more when I get to preach a sermon. And so a new nature he gives us. A new desire. He gives us a new name. Secondly, today we can taste the mark of identification. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about baptism. Our commission is to go make disciples and then mark them with baptism. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 when he said, Know you not that so many of us that were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, and therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so we take this mark of identification. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful mark. Mark, uh, baptism identifies the Savior's gospel. What is the Savior's gospel? Well, Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians when he said that, he said, I delivered, first of all, to you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins and how that he was buried and they rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The death, burial, and resurrection. When we baptize people, we take them and we plant them underneath the water. Bring them up, portray the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. I'm glad to tell you I have a living Lord. He's not on the cross anymore. He's not in an empty tomb anymore. He is alive. Now understand this. Please understand this. Now, so many people are confused about it. I know that most of you know this, but baptism does not save you. Baptism does not wash away your sins. It is a portrayal of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus who can wash away your sins in his blood. He can give you forgiveness of sins because of that death, burial, and resurrection. And so it doesn't save us. 
I'm not saved. I'm not saved because I was baptized, but I was baptized because I was saved. You see, you don't get baptized to be saved, but you're baptized because you are saved, and it's a mark of identification. It's a it's a mark that says, "Hey, I want you to know." that I have been changed, I have a new name, and that now I belong to the Lord. I'm in the Lord's army, and I am a card-carrying Christian, and I'm not ashamed of it. The Bible tells us to follow the Lord. We follow Him in baptism. He set the example. He, didn't, he wasn't baptized to become the Son of God. He already was the Son of God. But baptism showed that he was the Son of God. And so it is our identification. He said we are buried with him in baptism. There are people that sprinkle. There are people that pour. We are deep water Baptists. We bury them. That's what he said. Therefore, we are buried with Christ in baptism. You see that? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. It's a burial. Even a dog knows what it means to bury a bone. You don't sprinkle some dirt on it. You dig a hole. Put it in there and you cover it up. That's what burial is, isn't it? When we go to the graveyard, what do we do? We dig a hole. We bury people. And so, you know, I believe you're getting them under all the way. I remember years ago, pastoring that little church in Hickory Ridge, Arkansas. I know you all know where it's at. It's not too far from Gordneck. Y'all know what that you know, you've never heard of. Gordneck. They got funny names up there. But, uh, but uh, I had uh, this uh, young girl that came and was saved that day, came for baptism. And uh, when she did, her great-great-grandmother walked down the aisle. And she said, I'm saved. I know I've received Christ. And she said, I've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a charter member of the Methodist Church. Now, there's only 350 people in this town. <laughs> she was making a big step. But she said, I believe like you Baptists believe, and I want to be a member of this church. And I said, you know I'm going to have to baptize you, don't you? And she said, yeah, I'm willing. I want to be a part of this church. And I said, okay. And so I, about that time, the, uh, the grandmother, her daughter, started shouting. I never heard anybody. You ever heard anybody shout? I've heard about it, but I had not, I, that's the only time before since that I have ever experienced that. It scared me, honestly. I said, oh, no. And this was even before charismatic was even a word. This back in the 70s. I didn't know what to do, but she was just happy. Old time Baptists used to do that. Did you know that? They used to shout. Then the charismatics came along and we quit. Does everybody think that we were goofy? But nevertheless, it goes on. So I took this elderly lady, she was in her 80s, baptized her. And so I got up there, you know, to baptize her, and I was going to take her down. And every time I'd take her down, she'd take a step backwards. So I'd move her back up, start to bring her down, and she'd back up. For long, it looked like we were dancing, you know. <laughs> And so finally, I just took my foot and stuck it out, put her down and tripped her and gently and softly and tenderly laid her underneath the water. And so I got, but I got her all the way down, got her all the way under. And so it expresses, it not only does it identify the Savior's gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection 
of Christ, but it also expresses obedience and a newness of life. Notice the very last part of that verse. As Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're burying the old man, but we've been raised to walk like the new man that we are, that we are created anew, the new creation, the new man, the man that walks different and talks different and acts different and responds differently. And so it expresses our obedience that you can expect from me that you're going to see a new man because of Christ. And then thirdly, baptism announces our intentions to unite with the church. In Acts chapter 2, we, believe, we find that Peter preached and he announced that as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God in John chapter 1. But in, in uh, Acts, we find that after they had received him, they were baptized and added unto the 120 that had already gathered there that day. And so baptism kind of becomes a door to get into the church. Before you can become a member of church, you need to be saved. You need to be baptized scripturally, and then you become a candidate to walk into the membership of the church. And as a member, you have a voice, you have a vote, you have the privilege of serving in offices of the church. It's a place where you place your membership where you can be taught and discipled. And so Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he said, if you'll confess me before me and then I'll confess you before the Father. And if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before the Father. And so it's a confession, a profession. It's a pictorial ordinance that says I belong to Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. It's like a brand on the cow. It tells who you belong to. <laughs> and then today we can not only have a makeover from within and a, a mark of identification, but we can also have a maturity and growth. A lot of people will not taste Jesus. A lot of people who have tasted Jesus are afraid to taste him in baptism. And, but then there are those that will not taste maturity. When we are saved, we begin a growth pattern. We become babes in Christ, and we start to grow, don't we? The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 that we are to grow. Uh, you expect a baby to grow, don't you? And he tells us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Growth, growth, become gracious in our character. How do you do that, preacher? Well, by uh, growing in the fruits and bearing fruits of the Spirit. Look, look here in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's what a Christian is supposed to grow into. Doesn't come overnight. Ought to have the desire but it's something that you grow into. The first one is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and then to be gentle, to be good, 
be a person of faith. That's a mature Christian. And that's what God wants us to be. To be gracious in our character and then to be knowledgeable in the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, he tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You cannot do the work of God until you have the work manual that tells you how to do it and how to do it right. A lot of people never have tasted that. That's why it's so important that you get in a Sunday school class. We call it our lifeline classes. And study the word of God and let the word of God get you. And it will help you to change your life become that gracious person that God wants you to be. Oh, taste and see. It's good. You know, when I was saved, I, I didn't know any of the Bible. I didn't know the Old Testament from the New Testament. I didn't even know hardly how to spell Jesus. But I went out and bought me a little old world Bible. I couldn't, I couldn't read that print today if I wanted to. <laughs> it, it was so small. And there was more that I didn't understand that I did. But every time I'd understand something, I'd have me a little notebook. And I'd write that verse down thinking that I understood it. Later on, I learned how important it was to learn context. To know who's speaking, who they're speaking to, what they're speaking about, what time are they speaking. And those things. And so today, I would challenge you, if you've never tasted of Bible knowledge and having a knowledge of the scriptures. It will help you to witness. You, you know, a lot of times people are feared. They say, I don't think I can defend the faith. Then get in the book. Learn the Bible. You'd be surprised how people will shrink when you start quoting scripture to them. I remember going and preaching in view of a call one time at Batesville, Arkansas, up where Sky and Paula live. There's a little old country church out there. They didn't have a, pa- didn't have a pastor. There's a little old rickety church set on the side of a hill, and it was lopsided. But they had a little old deacon there. He kind of took charge of the church without a pastor. And he invited me, to, he was a widower, and he invited me to go eat lunch with him. And I went. And man, that guy quoted scripture every other breath. I was so, I was so embarrassed that this deacon knew more scripture than I did. And it was a challenge to me to go and to learn and quote that scripture, learn to quote that scripture, to hide it in my heart. And I realize as I get older, a lot of those I misquote now. <laughs> you find that? Yeah. I, but I know where they're at or close to where they're at. I can tell you basically what they say. And so today I challenge you, if you've never tasted getting a knowledge, a working knowledge of the scriptures, it's profitable. And so we have seen... David's protection, we've seen his protector, and we've seen his proclamation that it's all good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The question that I have for you today, for you that are watching online, have you trusted in the Lord's things? Or do you have preconceived ideas that are not any good that they're not any good? I would tell you today, thousands of people would stand up and say they're good. They're the best. They're the best. Have you been saved? Have you become a believer and the receiver of the Lord Jesus Christ? You can be today. Have you identified yourself with Jesus in baptism and let the world know that you're heaven-born and heaven-bound? 
that you belong to the Lord and have you become a part of this church family? How can you become a part of a church family? Well, if you're not saved, you need to be saved. If you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized scripturally. There's a lot of baptism that's not scriptural. We give you a scriptural baptism, we believe. Or you can join by letter if you belong to another church by life of faith. Or you can join by letter under certain circumstances or by statement. And so today we challenge you today to taste and see. Remember that old commercial? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I said uh, it was Alka-Seltzer, I believe, and he had say, they said, try it, you'll like it. Try it, you'll like it. And so I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Went a little bop, bop, fizz, fizz, and took care of it. I would say to you today, try it. You'll like it. I heard about a fellow that, uh, a preacher who preached one time, and there was a, 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 a kind of a heckler out there. And he said, I don't believe what you're saying. And he, and he, he reached down there and he, and he pulled out an orange. And he, he sat there and peeled that orange in front of this guy and the congregation, and he ate, ate this orange piece by piece. And he looked at the heckler and he said, well, how did that taste? He said, well, I don't know. I, I didn't get to taste it. He said, exactly right. He said, you can't judge because you've never tasted it. Try it. You'll like it while we stand. Father in heaven, we come before you now thanking you for your word is rich and real. We pray, Lord, that you would bless your word. I pray if there are those under the sound of my voice that need to make decisions to taste and see that your things are good, whether it's salvation or baptism, whether it's church membership or spiritual growth, maybe they need to try prayer, Bible study. Maybe they need to taste tears for the lost, that they might see them in heaven. I pray, Father, today that you would bless the message and the hearers. In Christ's name I pray, amen.